0: All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. I'd like to warmly welcome Angie Matho, crypto artist, vector addict, graphic designer, and she is the uh, brain and muscle power behind it designed by Angie. So, you know, for people looking to explore NFTs in the NFT art world, you know, there's many layers and many nuances to this far beyond, let's say, CryptoPunks and board a yacht club and you know there's many artists and many different type of uh styles to be explored so angie uses a type of minimalism with a i guess you could say a vector styled uh type of art and by the way correct me if i'm wrong if i've uh, if i'm not explaining this properly but you know uh vector i guess you could say vector style art plus minimalism is that correct
1: yeah anyway okay.
0: Could you um? Could you explain um? You know some of those uh, concepts for, for the audience.
1: Yeah, of course. First of all, I want to uh, say hello to everybody, and of course, uh, thank you for welcoming here in the show. Um, Vector is a kind of drawing that's assisted by computer. Um, the program I personally use is Adobe Illustrator, and I've been using it for over twenty years, which means I know it quite good inside and out. Yeah. Um, Vectors is more like um, an algorithmic definition, like when you draw a curve or whatever, it creates an algorithm definition. So it means that you can open it in other uh, vector programs, or you can also uh, use it in uh, EPS files and that kind of thing. The difference between uh, a vector and um, a normal image, shall I say, is that the vector is something you can stretch uh, indefinitely. Without um, the loss of quality, because it's uh, a, a definition. If you want some kind of algorithm, a right. formula. Yeah.
0: Wow. And, and by the way, that's a that's a very very great you know definition. And uh, you know something else I want to stress to everybody. So you know for people who are also getting into NFT art and are kind of dismissing it as simply kind of JPEGs and JPEG-like type of art. If you go onto my page, and if you go onto Angie's page as well, and by the way, I will be posting up links later today um, that will direct you to all of her collections that she has posted online displaying her portfolio of work. This is very, very um, high-quality art. This is something that you would see in some sort of theatrical piece like Blade Runner. It's Some of the pieces are very, very futuristic. Some of these pieces look like something that would be almost like in an action movie. And, okay. you know, some some of these pieces also look like they would be in a museum. So it kind of, it, it runs the gamut, as they say. But uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I would stress anybody to go ahead and, and check these out. So um, before I get into, like, uh, some of the more, I guess, technical questions behind your art sure. style and your, I guess you could say, art philosophy, mm-hmm. what made you get into art to begin with?
1: I think, um, as one might say, I was born with a pencil in my hand. For uh, as long as I could remember, I've been doodling. Uh, whether it was on the couch, you know, using a felt pen or uh, sure. just, yeah, or just scribbling over paper, it's something that came on really early on. And I found myself doodling and creating for most of my life and um i was so passionate about it that i wanted to study something that had to do with uh, drawing and um that's why i actually turned to graphic design in the first place it's got that creative flair uh it's not just about illustration but it's also about um yeah creating beautiful things and yeah advising people bringing things together creating brands and the vastness of it i think really attracted me
0: that's awesome And uh, yes, I'm sorry, what were you going
1: to say? Well, uh, it's more, yeah, then, you know, I studied that, but um, I never stopped also feeling like an artist myself. Um, I've kept on drawing and it's kind of like a skill. And when I moved on to uh, graphic design school, we had more um, drawing classes as well. We really had some uh, advanced sketching and that really upped my game and pushed me in a way to want to take it further i mean when you love drawing and your craft keeps on getting better you also want to surpass yourself constantly i was more to begin with a a drawing artist or somebody who painted i did a lot of acrylic painting and um the the real turn towards nfts was um more during uh, the first lockdowns i would challenge myself you know every day to try to put a piece out and um as i had drawn with vectors for a certain amount of time i really wanted to go further with that because the lovely thing is about vectors when you compare to a normal canvas is you can actually control Z, and if you don't right. like something you just pick it up you know throw it away and uh, start over and i think that's amazing because yeah. on a proper canvas you know you need to to scrap or to to cover wait for it to dry and so right. there's a lot more complexity. And I think it's um, really the freedom it gives you. And um, little by little, people started seeing my art on social media. And um, I started to get the recommendations that I should seriously consider minting. And that's how I really learned about the blockchain and the NFTs.
0: Right. And were there any particular artists or movies or paintings that, let's say, you know, um, motivate or inspire you know, certain pieces or collections?
1: Yeah, I think you have overall influences. And um, one of those influences is uh, Malika Favre. She's a French artist, and she also draws using vectors. And um, it's really minimalistic, but it's realistic at the same time. And it's a really clever of positive and negative space. And if you check her body of work, she really gets to the point and creates something that's, easily recognizable and um what i really loved about her work is that it doesn't take a lot of means the way she is doing this is her color palette is really restrained so i think there's an influence i think she's also a graphic designer if i'm not mistaken but it's really this influence you know you start to learn principles when you're in design school and it's all about contrasts whether it be in the colors in the shapes things like that and I think what I really appreciated about her work and also wanted to create in my own style was to find a kind of playfulness, something that was uh, consistent with what I had studied, because I think using contrast is a very powerful way to create and to put a message through. And um, that really got me thinking. And I think she was possibly one of my biggest influences when it really comes to, to to what I do. Now, of course, That's, there were plenty of uh, others, but it, it's more like sometimes you simply see a magnificent picture from a, a talented photographer and you're like, oh, the, the way the light plays. And yeah, the influences are multiple. But I have to say Malika Favre is my biggest one.
0: I'll have to check that artist out. And to explain a vector a bit more clearly. So it's essentially like a shape that's yeah. on a that's on a plane and you can right. either expand it or contract it as yes. you as you see fit you know essentially mm-hmm. you know making different shapes at will you know versus i guess as you said a canvas where you know you mess up or if you write something or if you create something you don't like it's kind of what do you do you either try to repurpose it or you have to start over right
1: yeah yeah it's more challenging in a way but uh, vectors are also challenging because uh Yeah, I think it really takes skills to to I'm a person of precision, but I mean really high precision and it really took me a while to 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 get to the level I wanted to be at. And even I have to say the last year where um, instead of just being a graphic designer, I've also become more of an illustrator, which is what I loved in the first place. So. um, Yeah, the way I work also evolved and um, I'm really detail oriented and the the level of precision vectors allows you to have is incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going, you know, going forward from that, when you when you first started migrating or taking a lot of your talents and taking essentially your pieces, putting them on to some sort of blockchain in the form of an NFT, uh, what I guess you could say, what what token or what type of blockchain platform um, did you start using? Did you start using Ethereum? Did you try Solana? Um, what was that journey like?
1: Um, the very first blockchain I ever heard about was uh, Ethereum because the the very first platform where I onboarded is super rare. So right. I got acquainted with that blockchain first and, you know... Um, it was in February about a year ago so just a little before the nft rush started but it, it what made it amazing is just a community because everybody talks with each other and thanks to that I've been able to discover also other blockchains and um, I have to say I had a little fun with Tezos as well and that was just okay, awesome yeah. because there, there's a more experimental side to it whereas you know what yes, you I heard would- that yeah on Ethereum is mostly a collection where you're going to try and um, stick to something specific, you know, go a certain way with what you create, whereas Tezos is more like minting fun little experiments. And um, most of the time, um, Tezos uh, artworks are a little cheaper, Tezos tokens. And um, I think that, well, at least in the beginning, I'm not sure now I should really check, but that was really, really fun because as the community grew and you learned to know more and more people, it also allowed you to have a little piece of everyone yeah um yeah uh then um i got contacted to work on uh, the solana blockchain um to create um visuals for a project you probably saw them uh, the soul sisters the very beautiful uh, ten right. ladies, uh with all uh, right. <laughs> the fancy attributes yeah. and um, that's when i really discovered uh, the solana i've not been minting myself personally on there but um you also gained some experience and some knowledge from that, that you were able to share with uh, everybody else with the community. So that was quite interesting. And in spite of me not minting on Solana, I do have a Solana wallet and some NFTs on there, of course. Right. And um, <laughs> the latest blockchain I've really discovered/slash used is um, the BNB network. I was. Uh, All right, Binance Smart Chain, yeah yeah a while ago by um somebody working for orica and they were wanting to launch a platform that would use a bnb as a a payment type
0: good stuff so, yeah, yeah. And, and i've been hearing a lot more uh positive things about binance smart chain and in fact it seems like uh binance smart chain is really widely used uh across the you know really across the world whether it's you know this is in europe or you know east asia or or otherwise so mm-hmm. um you know i'm very much interested in exploring you know binance uh, smart chain and kind of a lot of the features and, and possibilities that it that it offers oh. as well so if you could talk a little bit more about the soul sisters uh collection you know I looked at it and I you know I looked at the art it does it you know it really it, it really reminds me of of a few things this looks like this could be in an Avengers movie this also looks like it could be in a gallery. So, you know, a few thoughts are going through my head. So if you can talk about that a little bit, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, sure. The Soul Sisters um, are, uh, it was already a little while ago. If I remember well, that was around October, November last year. And um, I'm not the main artist, so I didn't create uh, the layout for um, the uh, generative art, but their approach was more, they have a whole narrative about the future, saving the planet and doing things for that. I think it's nice when you can really create a good narrative uh, around uh, an nft collection and i really yeah. liked the fact you know they had already gathered some really specific ideas on things they envisioned and um from there the idea was to create 10 um very special ladies that were totally unique but they were like kind of uh, the goddesses so they had to be magnificent you know kind of be also multicultural at the same time sure. represent a future for minecraft Mankind and uh, for women and so yeah, that was quite exciting. And I think uh, it, it was uh, up to that point back then the nicest project I had worked on. It, it was the narrative and the community are amazing. I think community right. is everything in these kinds of projects.
0: Absolutely, and um, I'll post up more information regarding you know Soul Sisters on, on my mm-hmm. platforms. Yeah. But if you could talk about the Soul Sisters, so you mentioned like goddesses. Uh, what goddesses or historical figures um, were some of those? I guess you could say pieces based off of. Like, is it like, like, like Greek or Roman mythology, or you know, you could say. Like-
1: yeah, in a way, yeah, but I think it 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 went further than that, and I think in the the way um they wanted to bring this about was for this to reach out to the whole of humanity, because if you look at humanity of course every culture has their myths and legends right. but what you will find is that a lot of them you have common backgrounds and common themes and if you look at uh, these sisters you have one representing the moon and she's really pale right. you know kind of um yeah night like in a way right. uh, you have the sun also uh, and she's yes. the total opposite you know very very bright with um bright colors and the background also right. bright, like that i always tried to create an illustration um where the background also reflects what the foreground is trying to to bring forward um, there was also a phoenix uh, soul sister right there's uh also a rainbow one and she had rainbow hair it was all fancy you know right <laughs> yeah uh, what else did we have we had quite a couple of them um we one of my favorite ones was uh, the water goddess And she really has this uh, beautiful uh, wavy hair, you know, with lots of the attribute, little shells, that kind of stuff. And um, I made the background into a gigantic waterfall that um, fell into the picture. Uh, Wow. Yeah, there's an earth one as well, an earth goddess. I I cannot remember every single one of them, but those are uh, the great lines. So the, the the... It's the nice thing about it that the themes really try to speak to humanity as a whole, you know, and not to push people in a niche. And I think that's the the amazing thing about NFTs is that there's something more global about it. And um, a lot of the time people really try to, um, um, how could I say that? Um, Yeah, to honor. I think that's the word to really honor other culture and and people of color. And I think this is something really, really important. i've heard so many discussions you know when i joined spaces and things like that um about yeah people still feeling left out and i think that's so wrong and i think if you can create a project that's inclusive and really bring as many people around it and just like people for who they are for and nothing else for their qualities then you're doing big things and you're really moving forward
0: yeah Yeah, I agree. And I think, ultimately, there's more that we have in common than, uh, than really what is different. So looking at, you know, looking at that collection, you know, most societies are built, actually, I would probably say all societies are built around storytelling, you know, at various, you know, periods of time in history and in various ways. So, you know, looking at, let's say, the Solstice's collection based on these, you could say, goddesses and mythological figures, you know, whether this is, you could say a goddess of the sun or the sea or the moon, Mm -hmm. these specific figures exist in almost every culture, you know, know, throughout history. So if you were to, let's say, look at Europe before Christianity, you know, Mm -hmm. there were deities for all of these, you know, whether it was the sea, whether it was the moon, whether it was the sun, you know, you go to Africa and East Asia, same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, so these are almost like uh, collective values and collective beliefs that I think we as humans have. And I think we we kind of forget that, you know, um, a, a, as time goes on. And I guess maybe as the world gets more complicated.
1: Yeah, but I think sometimes, you know, not thinking too far and simply appreciating beauty for what it is. And I think it's also what a lot of NFT art is trying to bring, you know, Mm -hmm. at least i know that's the feelings i try to convey in my art there's a therapeutic side to it but um the 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 reason i do it is for myself you know it kind of brings me peace and um it makes me feel good and i really want to share that feeling with other people and if if my art is able to move that and and, you know it's not looking for a, a great interpretation or anything it tries usually to just be something you can easily come into. And um, if I can share that feeling, if if I can create that sentiment within people, then I think I will have achieved something big. And I I think good collections should have a narrative that kind of reaches out to your soul, you know, and to that um, human feeling you have within you.
0: Right, right. And as far as being an artist, um, do you think often that, you know, when an artist makes a piece of art, that really kind of reflects kind of what's going on inside, whether it's values, whether it's some sort of feeling or, you know, something along those lines.
1: I can't maybe talk for others for certain, but I do think that art in general really says a lot about the person who creates it. Yes. About their personality. Right. Um, I mean, I know of a few people, of course, and some I have met in real life and uh, yeah, I think art I don't say, I wouldn't say defines someone, but it says a lot about them. Yes, that's yeah. certain.
0: Right. And since your art focuses a lot on vectors, the use of vectors and minimalism. So when you're creating a piece, are you often thinking about the future? Because often, like when it comes to, I, I think, um, futuristic type art. And I and I know you and I talked about this. A lot of it, a lot of like that kind of... Um, I guess you could say, uh, sci-fi or cyberpunk and genres like that, they tend to actually almost have this minimalism type of vector, geometric, rather, this rather geometric style of yeah. uh, mood and uh, you know feeling to it. So, and I think you know part of it is to con- convey a complexity, you know of emotions. And a lot of times you see like in, future type scenarios or future type movies, it tends to kind of almost be like a darker, darker tone. So I kind of I want to know, yeah. yeah, what you're your thoughts that. were on that.
1: Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> when I create, I mean, very much into the present moment. It's more an inspiration, you know, something that has come and that I need to translate into something for myself. And um, yes. the reasoning, the, the reason why um my art is minimalist, as you might say, I think it's still again that graphic designer uh, influence. Cause um I think what our art, art school taught me and studying graphic design is that um less is more, and I think right. the best way the best way to achieve something powerful, or, or something sometimes even super complex, is uh, to reduce it, to reduce it. Sorry, to its simplest expression. I mean, yeah. if you get to, to the core of something, to to what it really is, I think you've come a, a long way. And if you can simplify, but still make something recognizable, and uh, that doesn't remove the complexity away from it, it can be quite complex to create something simple. Matter of fact.
0: Right, because, and by the way, I I absolutely agree with that. Less is more. I think nine times out of 10, you know, that's a very uh, solid, you know, uh, philosophy to go by. I will say, like, I have seen some stuff out there where it almost just looks a little too busy. There's too much going on. And I will say, as a viewer, I kind of don't know what the hell's going on. And listen, I'm not an expert by, by any means, but like, let's say if I was to look at your pieces, I do know exactly what's going on. And by the way, it's easy on the eyes. And actually, that's something I kind of like to convey. If something is very easy on the eyes, it's relaxing, and it's also intuitive as well.
1: That's again the graphic design side right. of' talking because graphic design is all about getting to the point. yeah, it's it's really about focusing on what the message really is. And when you have too many elements, you need to ask yourself about some of those do I really need this in what I'm creating? Right. And if the answer is no, then you can possibly simplify and go to the core. And um, when you create something as a graphic designer, and I think it's one of the most important principles I work a lot with, you usually when you create a layout, you, you're really creating um, a way in which what you're drawing is going to be read. Because instinctively, um, the, the human eye, as a way of looking at things, they will usually go towards the big, bold titles or the most colorful thing or what pops out the most. And right. then there's kind of a spherical reading that goes on around that according to what other elements have a importance in the visual you are creating. So I use a lot of those principles when I create to, you know, um, instigate movement. or, um, But yeah, as you say, I take it easy on the ice because... As a graphic designer, I know the human attention span. When we have so many um, things competing for our attention on a daily basis, we tend to also fade away quite quickly from things. So the idea here is, um, I get away with something not too busy, where I'm focusing my message, what I want to say. So you can also focus on the art and get to the core of that message. You know, there's not too many frills around it. Sometimes, right. It- It is what it is, and that's it.
0: Right, and uh, as far as, you know, COVID-19 and lockdowns, and you could say all the problems and issues that have come from that, has that also influenced, you know, your art and your style as well? Because I'll talk to artists, NFT artists sometimes, and, you know, a lot of times they'll find some sort of inspiration or feeling from a lot of these kind of, global events going on. And that really changes the mood and the theme, you know, for, you know, you know, for a lot of uh, things, especially pieces that they may release. So I was wondering if that's the, uh, if that's the, uh, I guess you could say if that's the truth, maybe in your part as well.
1: No, I wouldn't say so. I'm mostly influenced by events of my own personal life because, um, I, Art is kind of a therapy for me so of course yeah. you know how I'm going to be feeling is going to have an impact on what I will be creating and it's um a way to to put things out to create healing because creating yeah. art is really something that brings a lot of inner peace but also it allows you to to heal yourself from um things that don't still feel right about you because of course all of us have, have problems we all know that sure. and I don't find myself really influenced by COVID or uh, outside events all that much. My art is usually something really personal. so Got it. I, mean, I haven't experienced that so far.
0: Yeah. No, I mean no, and, that, and that perfectly um, makes sense to say the least. And when going about this you know, journey, or at least you know, going about art from mm-hmm. you what know, you could say, from using you know, tools like Adobe, taking you know art from a graphic designer point of view has anybody ever tried to dismiss let's say or kind of otherwise criticize you know um the way you're going about art um because you know like i said from you know other guests that i've had on nft artists who've you know had various experiences there are there is almost like a reflex for a lot of people to kind of take take a shot at or dismiss or criticize let's say nft art like oh is that is that real art oh you're doing this from a computer oh this is not like
1: Mm -hmm. classical
0: art you know you know comments like that
1: i think no form of art is superior to another i think every form of art is very valid in itself you know what as long as it makes you take in a good way inside and brings about your message or your creativity but um I've had to brush comments like that, but sadly enough, not even from the NFT community, but more from people around me at some point.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, I think there's this quote uh, that I've seen circulate around. Often your biggest fan is going to be a stranger and often your biggest critics are going to be people you know. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, yeah, true.
0: So for uh, 2022 what do you have planned as far as you know your nft art and expanding your collection and you know any events that you may be doing
1: uh right now i'm working on a new project which is called the super women which i really recommend that people check out because it's gonna be kick-ass we're really working on something good here um the narrative here is more about um female or superheroes you know um in right. spite of them a lot of the time you know um it's not though centering necessarily about, uh, around everyday women. It's really more the superhero side that we're working on here. We're really trying to create our own thing and to make it colorful, something fun. Um, I draw a lot of women. I draw mostly women. So for me, it's always a great pleasure to celebrate them in all kinds of shapes and forms. Right. Uh, so I'm really trying to do something cool, you know, make it inclusive. Um, Be a little fancy because else it wouldn't be me.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: Um, Yes, please. No, please. No, no. After you. I do not know yet, though, about the minting date. So hopefully I think it should be within a month or two.
0: Yeah. As an artist, do you feel that women don't have enough of those type of superhero type characters, whether it's in, you know, movies, whether it's in comic books, whether it's in just, you know, net or even on Netflix, you know, just pop culture generally speaking
1: mm, I think the biggest comment I want to make is not even about pop culture but about real life <laughs> um I think that there are still many bad stereotypes concerning women which I find very sad because uh, to tell you the truth I find myself uh, uh you know as hard working as any man and I'm a force to be reckoned with so uh, I'm not sure that I agree with them I, I find them very 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 sad and um quite um ignorant to tell you the truth right even in on the blockchain if you check what is happening right now women I think are still a fairly small percentage of sales and big artists I mean we all know about pack we all know about um X copy we all know about this or people or you know any of
0: those yeah Yeah. but I
1: mean can you name me one fantastic woman nft artist right now well, I'm speaking, well I'm,
0: I'm speaking with one so hopefully uh you'll be one that everybody knows as well quite soon i,
1: hope. I work hard for that so let's see <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, I, yes please no i think i'm done but yeah i think it's the stereotypes with the real world that need to change in my opinion and i yeah. think women are not men it's a fact but i think you know we're equal in our own little ways and i think the world really needs to change we're in the 21st century and what was true maybe a hundred years ago no longer is valid and the world really need to evolve this time
0: yeah so as an artist like you still i guess receive friction or some sort of pushback from other male artists in the community uh so to say do, like would, i guess my question would be do you feel that you're otherwise kind of either dismissed or have to go through more obstacles because you are a female artist competing in a space where it is still largely mostly men
1: i don't feel personally that i have this problem but i do hear a lot of female nft creators complaining about this and um i think the best we can do is really um treat each other as equals you know avoid pe- passing unnecessary judgment right. and support one another as best as we can and i think it's what i've tried to do right from the start i don't want to see myself in competition with anybody or any gender in particular and i think if we go up we should all lift each other up and not so i know that there. are still some forms of discriminations and that the, the market is not the same for both male and female. But even though I'm aware of that, I don't make it center stage of my life. You know, I still try to to do things. Um, Of course, I will support other women perhaps a little more because I know it's a, a tough world and uh, yeah. it's not always easy for us. So I might more easily support women because st- a lot of us still struggle to gain visibility and of course, the NFT space is so crowded that um, it's not always that easy right. to, to really gain visibility. So, but I, I won't to su- i won't support the other gender or other genders any less because of that. You know, because of uh...
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you feel that? I guess you could say female superhero-like figures have. I I, I don't know what the true term is, but it seems like maybe more of those type of either real life or you could even say mythical or, you know, figures from like either movies or television or comics. Do you think that there's almost less of that being promoted or made visible now? Because I have an example for for you. So when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and and not, not to say I'm ancient, I'm 37, but when I was a kid, I automatically knew of, of of a bunch of, you could say, female superhero type figures yeah. just from entertainment alone. So mm-hmm. if you looked at like Sarah Connor from The Terminator, you look yeah. at Ellen, Ellen Ripley, you know, from Aliens, you, lo- you look at the, I think the original Wonder Woman series that was mm-hmm. from the 70s to like the early 80s with Linda Carter. Like, you know, if I was, you know, a kid, like I can name those, you know, figures off the top of my head. And then, and then, you know, Spider-Man started becoming more and more popular as well in X-Men. So you, you essentially had like the female X-Men characters. You had like a Storm, you had Rogue, you had Jean Grey. And their powers were on par with the rest of their, I guess you could say, the rest of their male cohorts, so to say. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like as time goes on, and I don't know if this is purely just that there's too much information out there. Or social media is just bombarding people's awareness all the time, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like um, y- there's as many characters to point to in many ways nowadays as it was back then, you know, so to say. Um, and it seems like uh, a lot of times when characters are kind of made, they don't have that same like kind of effect. And I know I'm comparing something now from when I was from when I was a kid but i would say like you know as you know a kid people yeah. knew people knew who those female superheroes were and they were taken very very seriously they were considered very very cool you know you looked at yeah. you looked at the, the terminator movies you looked at aliens like you know mm-hmm. you know these are something you know these are movies and experiences guys would equally enjoy um i don't know if you remember the one movie called red sonia back in the 80s but this was um, it, it was a spinoff of Conan the Barbarian uh, okay. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was starring this um, very famous uh, Danish actress. I forgot her name, but she was mm-hmm. the female version of Conan the Barbarian. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually in that movie as mm-hmm. well. And this was actually part of like a real comic book from, from back in the day as well. But that movie was also mildly popular as well. So like I'm saying, as a kid, there was a lot of concrete examples to point to and they were taken very, very seriously as, you know, icons. I feel like nowadays, despite let's say more information and more access to entertainment and more access to just everything. I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't seem like those icons are just having the the same effect. So I kind of, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but I kind of wanted to know, if you had any any thoughts on that.
1: Well, what you say is quite interesting. And I think, um, to, to, to really be sincere, I don't think it has to do with art in itself. But I think um, when you think Hollywood, when you think about movies and series, etc., yeah. I think we've really come around in a way where it's kind of difficult not to write about something that's not been written about to begin with so in a way you're just changing the concept a little you know tweaking it and then branding it something new you see a lot of that happening but um i think it's also um i would say greed because they see that a franchise Mm. is going to do well so they're gonna try you know and pop in your face as many uh movies as they can you know pirates of the caribbean one two three sure. four i don't know where it stops anymore and um i think there comes a point where um when you do so too much of that what you create in in effect is a caricature of a caricature so right if you do it for a while you're caricaturing yourself so bad that in a way you lose the essence of something
0: Right. No, you know what? And I think you raise an excellent point. I think that is, that is in many ways exactly what it is. So, you know, for instance, when I looked at one of your figures and it was essentially of like a female Rambo, you know, that automatically makes sense. And also I love all the Rambo Uh movies as well. And, you know, the thing is, like I said, as a kid, there were, you know, the female equivalents of that. Like um, I remember growing up, there was this TV series called Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah, it was with remember this actress that. Lucy Lawless. That was as popular, if not more popular, than Hercules, which starred yeah. Kevin Sorbo at the time. And by the way, like men and women alike watched, you know, Xena Warrior Princess. They made video games out of this. They made like side movies out of this. They made mm-hmm. you know so many things. And you know, kind of to your point, you know. Maybe it's because the way entertainment is, is kind of built, those icons just don't seem to have that same effect where me, you know, thinking as a kid, like I can think of many, many examples from yep. then of let's say these female superhero type characters, these female superhero characters. And then like nowadays, it, it's, um, I don't know what it is. But it seems like more and more of the, res- the same kind of recycled, formulaic, you know, kind of, you know, kind of things. And I, I think a lot of times, in many ways, entertainment is a reflection. You know, entertainment and art is, to an extent, a reflection of maybe, crit- you know, or a critique, right? yeah, of, uh, you know, of, of where we are. And, you know, even in historical senses um, as well. You know, you have characters, you have real life figures like Joan of Arc, you know, during the hundred years war between England and France, you know, and essentially, you know, the English were defeated, you know, at the, at the end of that war. So the fact of the matter is, you know, she was a woman, she was barely in her early twenties, was commanding, Mm -hmm. was commanding an army and became essentially a canonized saint, you know, after, after she had passed away. So. You know there are many figures like that. You know that exist in history, but it kind of just seems like people kind of maybe had more of a sense of this. You know when I was a kid than than now. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's very it's very strange. Uh, you know despite that we're here in 2022, but it seems like at times we're taking a few steps back as a as a human race.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh...
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just it's yeah, it's really like you know just like that, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, as far as female characters uh, and figures and superheroes in real life history, you had uh, Boudica, who was essentially the, I think I speculate she's probably what Xena Warrior Princess and other characters based off. She was the Celtic queen of the Britons mm-hmm. when the Romans occupied. She fought almost completely naked. And she actually led the armies to essentially defeat and kill the Romans in in England, so to say. And, uh, you know, so just to kind of like, you know, name some examples from that, there's a lot of concrete evidence of female superhero, you could almost say deity, deity level characters throughout history. But the irony is, it seems like even with more and more information that we have nowadays... It, it doesn't seem like it reflects um, the, I guess you could say, progress or you could say wisdom of, of everything kind of accumulated to this point.
1: More doesn't mean more qualitative. It just means more overall, which means more rubbish, more good, more Right. Bad.
0: I think that goes back to minimalism. I think we've got full circle. Yeah. You know, sometimes... Sometimes less is more. Yeah, Yeah. I think
1: it's a lot more complex. And I think, um, yeah, I think there were maybe times when women are more fashionable, and sometimes a little less. But um, yeah, it's like you say, you know, sometimes we make leaps forward and sometimes we make leaps backwards. And I think... It also depends who does the politic and what the ideas are. Because, yeah, I try to, of course, follow what happens on a global scale. And, um, you know, a lot of women fought to have some very basic rights, even over their own bodies. And um, it's really surprising to see, you know, that in some places in the United States and in other countries here, even close by in Europe, we've regressed, you know, regarding the rights we gave to women. I mean, some of those were taken away. Like, we're not even, you know, masters of our own bodies or good enough to even think some of our decisions. Right. And I find and, it Right. Really sad.
0: Right. You know, and by the way, I, I, I agree. And I guess that kind of goes to the point where it seems like we're taking one step forward and two steps back. And it, it kind of shows in, obviously, it shows probably in entertainment. It shows in politics and probably even shows in art with certain artists as well. You know, uh, you know, and kind of like, you know, what you said, you know, regarding, you know, Mm -hmm. women and human rights, and, you know, kind of the the fight for rights. It is astonishing that some of these uh, problems still exist. And especially if you especially if you look at the year that we're in right now, this is 2022. This is the future, as far as most people are concerned. And these are still, these are still issues that Um, have existed for a long time and unfortunately there's still issues that are being litigated against these are issues that people are trying to essentially change the laws on kind Mm -hmm. of move the clock backwards so it's 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 very very confusing I'll have to say
1: (laughs) yeah but you know women not even able to have their own bank account was barely 70 years ago when you think about
0: right And, you know, there was a time in the United States and this was kind of uh, pre-World War II and um, maybe even a little around it, though. But like, you know, young women, they couldn't leave the house at night without like a male companion or uh, so to say, you know, to, you know, go out and let's say, I don't know, buy necessities or just go out to just do anything. Mm -hmm. Like there was like kind of these stigmas and kind of these, you could say, uh, these obstacles, you know, and these these were not these were not very long ago at all no no
1: yeah. i mean when you really think of uh, the modern way of living now where a woman is kind of working almost in most places now for the same salary as a man i mean this isn't from so long ago i think it really right. began uh, yeah i think around the, the the 70s 80s you started to see more women in the workplace and right. you know things slowly went a little uphill but uh yeah it's crazy, you know, when you think about it.
0: Right, right, and uh, right. It probably was the seventies or eighties when you know you had more and more women entering the same workforce as men, and uh, yeah, but yeah, these these problems they haven't they haven't really gone away, uh, you know, to say the least. And you could, and you know, even though I think the United States gets a lot of attention for this, but I have also seen I've also seen examples of this in Europe as well. Uh, and, it's, and I've seen I've seen leaders, let's say, over in Europe, in, in different countries, um, almost, you could say, use the same script or use the same lines as some of the more fringe ones over here as well. I have to say,
1: yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think the world still needs to change to grow. And uh, all we can do, I think, is do our best, be yeah. the best we can also as respectful as possible. I think right. when you really try to be as respectful as possible and that your freedom stops where that of somebody else's begin, right? you can really have good intuitions, you know, on where the fringe moments, where the fringe part is. And I yeah. think we should really learn to draw the line. But I'm confident uh, we will grow as the human race to uh, improve ourselves and uh, to accept yeah. people the way they are. Because they are not, yeah. of course, just women. They are people who are trans and other things like that. And I think no matter what gender or what people's orientations are, we have to learn to respect that. And it's none of our business, you know, to be able to judge sure. somebody and to, to make comments on on this or that. And I'm still hearing such cringe things, you know, on a daily basis. Um, right. A lot of the time while I work, I um, do watch a lot of YouTube, mostly for uh, the comments, you know, for the right. audience. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not really looking, but uh, yeah, I still um, listen to things, and uh, yeah, the the cringe uh, stuff still happens on a fairly regular basis. And in a way, you're like, uh, "WTF?" We're in, you know, in twenty twenty two, like you said before. And how is this still a thing? How can this still be possible? And even people yeah. getting away with it, I think, is the worst.
0: Yeah, and you know, like I said, uh, you know, not, you know, I almost feel like. Kids during my generation almost had a broader awareness of, let's say, equality, and you could say the huh? the um, the idea and the concept and the existence of, let's say, on par female superheroes, whether real yeah. or or fictional, you know. And I feel like now it's like you know it's kind of uh, I don't know if it's going down. I don't know if it's just peaks and valleys, but there is a sense of things going a little bit backwards instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of, you know, forward. So, you know, I look at, I looked at, you know, your art and some of your collections, you know, of course I liked focusing on, you know, what we discussed today. So, you know, the the, the superheroes and the soul sisters. So I have a question for you. Do you think that this type of art that you've made between these Mm -hmm. two soul sisters and the superheroes, is this your desire? Do you feel like deep down inside, is this your desire to put a superhero like that out there? Because... There isn't, there isn't so, there aren't so many. Is this your desire to, let's say, create a superhero story for women in 2022 and
1: beyond? I think it might come as a shock, but it's my honest point of view. Um, I like the superhero ideas and I think women in a way are superheroes, but I don't want to necessarily push a certain narrative out. I think right. when you really like something and it calls to you, to your soul, in a way you make the narrative your own. So yeah. what I'm focusing on is to make beautiful art that celebrates femininity, life, right. love, beauty. It's really what my idea is about. and. If in the process I can spin something, you know, or create a narrative for people where they can find themselves and they can find inspiration in that, then I think as an artist, I've achieved something.
0: Yeah, and by the way, to add to that, you know, I looked at this. I find it very, very sincere. And what I mean is that you look at the, I guess you could say the figures you've created. They're mm-hmm. very feminine, very beautiful. But you, you could also tell, yes, but the, you could also tell they have special abilities there is something special some sort of hidden power or obvious you know power behind it so i look at this i look at this as from the point of view this is pretty cool this is a sincere i guess you could say character or concept here i don't feel like i'm being preached to and i feel like this this is something that i could see um being celebrated in in, in in culture, you know, so to say, whether it's like the Joan of Arc, whether it's like Boudicca, whether it's like a Wonder Woman, it comes off very, very sincere and I would say balanced, you know, so to say. It's not too much one way or the other. You kind of have two very, very good ingredients, you know, there, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think uh I think this in many ways reminds people of those type of historical or otherwise, figurative, you know, type characters.
1: Have you seen my uh, sup- um, the Women of Power collection I've started uh, creating on OpenSea? Because I've actually got a Boudica on there. I've got a Cleopatra. Uh. I saw
0: I saw the Cleopatra one. Yes, I didn't see the Boudica one. I may have I may have overlooked that one, but I'll yeah. check that out.
1: I right. even um, made one of the Queen of Sheba. I really tried to pick out a few um, very um, strong women in right. what they did in history even sometimes some of the most cruel ones because of course there there have been really really right. cool and, and i'm thinking for example about catherine de, de, de medici that i also created in oh, uh, yeah. that collection but yeah see she's a historical figure and um right. that, that specific collection is really inspired by history and uh, to some extent um uh, tradition like uh, stories you know but mostly they're based off real people and, right. um, yeah, we also need to celebrate the bad women. There were bad women in oh, history. Yeah. Terrible oh, yeah. But they shaped history. And, uh, right. and even if Catherine de' Medici was such a terrible woman, because she was terrible, let's be honest, she was very cruel, she shaped history. And um, even if it's not per se in a good way directly, we're here today. The, the world is the way it is in a way because of women who had... Walls at a point, you know, where it was not yeah. expected from them. And a, a lot of the time they really had to fight for this, for this recognition right. or for this equality or simply to have their place in society.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I think that's a great point you raised. So even kind of celebrating or recognizing the bad ones, yeah. that gives people perspective. And that also kind of gives people a metric, uh, some sort of comparison to. And you know, listen. It also makes for a very, very interesting form of art and conversation. You know, speaking of, let's say the bad figures or the malevolent figures, mm-hmm. I was re- I was reading. Um, there was this one. I guess you could say noble woman. Her name was Elizabeth Bathory. I think that's her name. She okay. was a princess of Hungary. She was actually one of the first recorded serial killers in oh, history. Oh,
1: I think I've heard right. about yeah. Right.
0: So she I lived. In, you know. You right
1: right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. From
0: Hungary. So, you know, lived in a huge palace and then, you know, servants, you know, yes. um, cooks, you know, story, even yes. guards were, were going missing and she was actually killing them and, you know, dismembering and, you know, kind of the traditional things you think of as far as, you know, serial killers, but believe it or not, she was one of the first recorded, um, I guess you could say <laughs> uh, perpetrators of what is, serial killing so to say
1: i think you can call her a psychopath at that point yeah
0: yeah and um there was there's an equivalent example in ancient uh chinese history as well so i don't know the name off the top of my head but it was essentially a noble woman a princess who was also doing the same thing as well so um you know literally using you know servants and staff and guards Mm -hmm. and you know, killing, dismembering, all of those, you know, all of those things as, as well. So it's, it's very, very, uh, it's very, very interesting to say the least. It's very, uh, it it provides for a good and interesting dialogue, but it also, you know, makes people a little bit smarter. You know, these, you know, these are a lot of things that have happened in history and these are things to either draw inspiration from, you know, positively or negatively. And you could put that in arts or elsewhere.
1: Definitely. And uh, I'm actually uh, the reason why I created that specific collection in the first place is because uh, I'm a history lover. I just Stay love <laughs> historical books. you yeah. know. Um, I studied graphic design, but at some point I really had a, a strong hesitation between stopping graphic design and actually, yeah, combining art and history to study yeah. that. Stuff. And yeah. I noticed
0: that's what you did with, uh, with, with your collection. So I look at yeah. it and I'm like, wow, this is this is very, you know, very cool, say the least.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So I think if you can combine many of the things you like uh, the most, then you're creating something unique. And of course, uh, putting in all that emotion and um, all that passion you have, I think you can really come up with amazing things.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say for your collection, if you wanted to focus on some of the uh, villains of history, I think Elizabeth Bathory might be a good uh, source of uh, inspiration for for a piece because there's a lot of literature on, you know, on her bio and like the things that happened, you know, during that time. And by the way, this Mm -hmm. was a figure that everybody I get, I think with at least within those Royal circles knew. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let me tell you this, this woman easily intimidated soldiers and men alike in that time, you know, as well. So (laughs) just to give you, just to give you an example, had the same gravitas and Mm -hmm. ability to intimidate like any other man, maybe if not more, giving yeah. the reputation so to say
1: i think as a woman people often again yeah. the stereotypes coming to play and yeah. you're often you you have people try to fit you into more than these stereotypes like you need to be small gorgeous you know kind bloody blah. blah, blah but it's not true we can have just yeah. as a badass personality as a man would and uh, yeah
0: there's a, there's plenty of history <laughs> to,
1: yeah, to show I mean, that
0: too yeah,
1: you're talking here about this uh, Hungarian princess, but even Cleopatra. Why did oh she yeah,
0: he did a lot of
1: I mean, yeah. She yeah. went out with Julius Caesar and then with uh, Mark Antony. But why did two successive powerful men turn to her? They literally ate in her hand. She was right. She kind of concerned. held them
0: by you know, kind of had them, on, kind of yeah. control them on a string, essentially yeah. like marionettes or something.
1: Yeah, in a way, yeah, but I think. She possibly, you know, at some point really was genuinely in love with them, but it's the way she harnessed that power, I think, that drew is meant to her, right? And that's and there, think, the way how you write history by absolutely. making things happen, and
0: absolutely. And even if, um, you talk about the mythology of the Amazonians, which you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Wonder Woman is based off of, and probably like you know, characters like Xeno Warrior Princess, yeah. you know, there is a historical context and record of some of that so if you look at you know the area between i think greece and persia you know Mm -hmm. during you know during like 2000 you know plus years ago there were essentially bands of women and i think it may have been speculated they were mercenaries essentially had their Mm -hmm. essentially had their own community wore you know armor you know i guess you could say they wore the breastplates they wore essentially like the uh the, uh, the tip of traditional Greek helmets and had the spears and the, the hop-like spears and essentially fought and survived like any other male soldier or mercenary would, you know, back, you know, back in those days as well. So a lot of these ideas don't come from nowhere, you know, so to say.
1: Oh. In yeah. French, which is my mother tongue, we have a, a saying that goes uh, along the lines of you do not have uh, smoke without fire.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we, we say that here too. And, uh, you know, there's so many great examples to draw on. Um, and knowing that you're also a huge, uh, you know, uh, student and fan of history, I'm very, very excited to see, you know, what you'll be producing uh, this year. And by the way, if I could be of any service to offer any ideas as far as some of your historical, you know, based uh, collections, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, other than you know, I guess you could say you know, live streaming and podcasting, I have an incredible collection and library of his books. I I ingest, I go through books like crazy. So <laughs> I'm sure I can think of a few a few feeling. ideas.
1: But please, I mean, be my guest because I still need to complete uh, my super women collection. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, I've only drawn. <clears throat> Sorry. You
0: know what I'm thinking? Halloween, Elizabeth Bathory. Like I think you could, I think something good could be <laughs> could be done around that time.
1: I think you got something really good there going because I only created oh, yeah. thirteen women out of twenty I'm supposed to create for that specific collection. So, um, but the thing is, I really want to also include um, people from far away in history, like antiquity, right. as much yeah. as uh, people from modern time, but also the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Yeah. I'm trying to be as broad as possible, so which is any- awesome yeah any good idea I think you have on that please shoot it and usually when I mint the token I always do a little research you know to 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 tell a couple of words in the description of the nfts so people know you know this is who I am buying and this was her story just in a few lines because I think it's always nice to give the background information on what you are seeing in the visual because a lot of the time of course things are linked so um
0: right well, uh, you know, even just to offer a few more ideas before we end the show. So, in I guess you could say the time of the Dark Ages and Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, there's the concept of the sword maiden, the Valkyrie, essentially like this female spirit that helps yeah. out like Viking warriors in battle and even in the afterlife. Well, mm-hmm. there's evidence that that strongly shows, and it and it, I would say it almost certainly happened, but women also participated in warfare the same as their male viking counterparts so for practical purposes there were female vikings with mm-hmm. the helmets with the shields with the axes you also see this in native american cultures as well and believe it or not you see this in a more ancient time in japan
1: yeah, I so think it's just lot- japan you know i think it's right. all over the place cuz um yeah I think in a very distant past, we used to be in a matriarchal society, which is quite different, of course, from what we're experiencing now. But if um, if you, um, if when scientists and um, uh, archaeologists start really looking into even things from the prehistory, what we're finding yeah. out tends to actually say that women were a very, very active part of the community. And they were not just yeah. staying home raising the children. So, I mean, those are really preconceived ideas somebody created at some given point.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, just to kind of give you an example. So in martial arts and in, I guess you could say East Asian, you mm-hmm. know, um, you could say military history, there's a weapon, yeah. it's called uh, Naginata. So it's essentially a spear. And instead of just having a regular point, it's a sword head on top of it. So okay. in Japan, women use that weapon and that weapon became synonymous with women warriors. So Whereas men, or you could say male samurai, they typically just used either the sword or they used a spear or a bow. the women Mm -hmm. used essentially the naginata, which was essentially the sword head that was on top of a very, very long spear. And in fact, even to this day, there is a martial arts discipline in school that is predominantly female. That is actually the study of that as well. So, you know... uh, I think history is rich with many of these examples. To state the least, oh, yeah. like I said, I could probably talk about this stuff forever, but I'd be more than happy to offer any ideas. You know, down the line,
1: and it's greatly appreciated because, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're biased because, yeah, you 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 you're working on different projects and uh, right, yeah, and I think it's nice sometimes to also have a little influence from the outside because. Um, Anyway, it kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. So I'd be curious to uh, to hear with oh, you even yeah. more
0: so. Like if you're if you're even thinking of U.S. audiences, if you think of the concept of the cowboy, you think of like old uh, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne movies. There were female cowboys in in recorded history here in the United States. There's a famous song I think called uh, "Janie Get Your Gun." It was actually based off of a female, you could say, cow woman, so to say. Yeah. You know, she was a gunslinger. Had the hat, had the two pistols. Not kidding about this. You know, so there's oh. many, many, yeah, there's many examples of this.
1: I think I'd Actually. love to have some of that in my art.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll send you some links, some historical, you know, uh, you know. I guess you could say, uh, you know, sources to maybe, you know, get mm-hmm. some inspiration from. But listen, to everybody, I would strongly suggest checking out Angie Mathieu's collection. Um, I think we do need some kind of superhero renaissance of art. And I will say Angie is the primary source for this, so I will be sure to uh, post her links in uh, in my LinkedIn and Twitter later today. So Angie, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, coming on today and discussing your Likewise. art and discussing you know some of your uh, you know beliefs and philosophies and direction of this. So I am very excited to see you know where this is you know where this is going, and I'm very excited to see what female figures you'll be adding to your superhero collection you know whether they're heroes or villains uh i'm, I'm equally fascinated to see uh what's going to be coming up later this year
1: yeah drum roll because um i never really plan in advance so it comes when it comes and right it drops gets dropped so um yeah but, um, I'm, yeah i'm not planning too much usually it's kind of spontaneous you know it's more like oh i feel like uh I'm inspired by this personality and okay, you know, I just want to create a tribute to her in a kind of way. Right.
0: Awesome. Angie, it was an absolute pleasure having you on today. I'm very like much looking forward to seeing uh, what you have in store for all of us for this year in 2022.
1: Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure uh, being here and uh, sharing some time with you. It really felt more like a discussion than an interview. And if it right. wasn't for my <laughs> webcam turned on, I think I would have been a little less nervous.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you uh, had a good and relaxing and engaging time here. And you know, listen, life is too short. So try to make everything you do with a little bit of fun. That's what I feel anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're completely right. Thank you very much and Thank you. Uh, I wish all our watchers, listeners, of course, a a magnificent day, night, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Yes. Good morning.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you and take care.
1: You too. Take good care.
0: And I'll talk to you soon.